Now, live from the historic River Market District in Kansas City, Missouri, from the banks of the beautiful crystal clear blue waters of the Missouri River, comes Two Douchebags and a Microphone Podcast. Can you can you find the microphone? Can you dig it? Yeah, I knew that you could. Ooh, you're getting close. Oh my God! Oh, you're burning up. Oh, now you're freezing. Oh, it might be there. You better check deep. Ooh! Oh my! Oh, that's not a microphone. Now it's wet. Ooh! Anyhow, you're talking about a movie a minute ago. I saw. On Netflix, it said Downfall, the mm-hmm. Boeing 737 story. And I thought, ooh, I want to watch this. I actually know a little bit about this story, yeah. and it's fucking, you can't believe it. But go it ahead. Is, it's, I told Cindy about this last night when she got home, but oh my God, Boeing is such a piece of shit, horrible company. I know. I can't they believe that so they're looked evil. at so favorably, and people are like, oh, Boeing, yeah, I love them. Well, That's they funny. were until McDonnell Douglas took them over. And yeah. McDonnell Douglas took, tore the whole. Just culture of safety and professionalism apart and said cut we, costs we want money stock price yeah yep gosh and they showed evidence i mean the, the first thing was that stupid mcas system mm-hmm. the plane was poorly designed uh-huh. so instead of redesigning it to fly correctly they put this mcas system on it uh-huh. and said there now we get in the south the door fast to compete with Airbus. Mm-hmm. Um, minimal expense on our part, and no retraining of pilots is required because that's super expensive. Mm-hmm. And internally, they knew that MCAS system meant, yeah, they need retraining. But what they referred to it as a speed trim augmentation. So it wasn't <laughs> a new system, it was just a little augmentation for an existing system. And they never even told the pilots it was on the aircraft. Never, they said internally, we'll still refer to it as the MCAS, Maneuvering Control Augmentation System. And what it basically was is, is when the 737 would fly, it tended to fly tail down. And it would get, because the engines were too far forward and they were too high. And uh-huh. So it would start tend to fly too high and stall. So to prevent that, they designed this system. It was one single sensor sticking out the nose of the aircraft. And when it detected the angle of attack was too high, it would send a signal to the tailplanes and make the tailplanes do this. So the nose would go down. And it would be 10 seconds on, and then it would shut off for five seconds to see if the problem had fixed itself. Mm-hmm. But they never told the pilots the system was on the aircraft. And in that first flight out of Indonesia, <coughs> they yeah. took off the sensor malfunctioned and started sending wrong data to the MCAS system. And the sticks were shaking, the altitude didn't agree on several different sensors, the uh, airspeed didn't agree on several sensors. The whole thing was just going crazy and the pilots had no clue. Wow. And then they got up to a certain height, the co-pilot put the flaps up and that kicked on the MCAS system. Uh huh. And the plane immediately went Boom. Nose down, the pilots holding it back up, and the plane did this until eventually down into the ocean. Wow. They no survivors? No, none. They had no clue what was going on with the aircraft, no idea what to do. 
I, they were set up to die because yep. Boeing didn't want to tell them. And wow. It came out later when Boeing had to turn over a lot of documentation to the uh, Congressional Committee investigating it that within several days of the wreck, uh-huh. both the FAA and Boeing knew what caused it. They knew it was that MCAS system. Because uh-huh. Boeing had to fix it two or three times during production. They knew it wasn't right. They sent it out anyway. Uh-huh. But it wasn't until five months later when the second plane crashed that they were, oh, I guess now we know what it is. They knew what it was. Back then, but they, yeah, they didn't want to admit they, to it. They let the planes keep flying because the FAA called Boeing and Boeing said, oh, yeah, we just need to write some new lines of software. And we'll probably have it done in about six weeks. And an, an air, air industry so insider said, yeah, nothing happens weeks. There's no way they could have gotten any kind of fix done in six weeks. But the FAA said, they, they calculated out the failure and they said statistically this failure should happen twice a year. So we think we can get this fixed before it happens again. No harm, no foul. Wow. They were taking a chance with everybody's life. They were letting a plane they knew was unsafe fly. And that's McDonnell Douglas. And that was the McDonnell Douglas head of Boeing. Yeah, you know, here's something Here's something to think about, too, and we can go straight back to this subject because I like it. Okay, true journalism, the only way you can get it is in a pay service. Mm-hmm. The reason Netflix got to put this out is because they are paid for by us. Yeah. Not by pharmaceutical, mm-hmm. uh, not by insurance, mm-hmm. not by banking. The yeah. only way that a story like this in true journalism can actually be a part in America is something like Netflix. Mm-hmm. Isn't that insane? Everyone else is afraid of their shadow because of sponsors. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the unfixable flaw yeah. in news broadcasts that are brought to you by sponsored commercials. Uh-huh. Is they no longer have incentive to get you corrected factual news. The only incentive they have is to keep you watching so you see their sponsor's commercial. Yeah. And they will tell you any news story. They will ignore any news story. They will modify any news story in order to keep you watching. Because mm-hmm. that's the most... The, the station doesn't exist without the sponsors and their advertising. So bringing you truthful news is not even on the same page. No. Because if they don't exist, they go out of business, then they can't do that anyway. Can so you think like, of one news source that isn't slanted? One. No. I, I don't care which way, I don't care left, right, whatever. Yeah. You know, ABC wouldn't run a story on how horrible these Boeing airplanes were. No. Because the airlines that fly them advertise, and they would lose business. Boeing calls the airlines and say, you know, pull your ads if they say this, or we won't sell you any more planes and we won't support you. I mean, all behind the scenes saying, keep that information from the public because that hurts our bottom line. Well, I mean, as a matter of fact, I can go a step further on all this. You can take it all the way up to President's News Conferences. And let's take the last two for an example. You know, Trump would throw people out, and Biden doesn't call on a lot of people. He just has his own cronies. He's like, oh, uh, oh, Pam over there in the corner. Oh, your hair looks great today. That was another chapter in the 
handbook of how to become a tyrant. It's controlled media. <laughs> yes. Only let out the news that's that actually, you want to let out. That's one of the best ways to do it is Absolutely. because uh, people are sheep and they eat up what they see. I mean, you know. Get them dependent on the media mm -hmm. and then change to suit your needs. Yeah, it's like the, the comic book. Uh, the guy's like, hang on a minute. I, I got to see how I'm going to feel today. You know, <laughs> listening. <laughs> Down. I, I'll tell you what, and, and this is why I feel anymore, is if something really major is going down, I'll hear about it. Other than that, I want to hear the weather and sports, yeah. nothing else really. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's some things that concern me, like I, I posted this the other day, like here at the city market where we do this podcast every week, you know, the weekends, they're going to start charging 10 bucks for people to park. I heard that. Okay. Yeah. Now, that is going to kill these people in here that are coming from central Missouri and all over the place, driving all the way up with gas prices the way they are. Yeah. Talk about the worst time of doing something like this. Kidding. And it's really, it's really ignorant anyhow, because people are coming here to get deals on everything, and people are needing people here to buy things, you know, buy stuff off of the grid almost, you know. Um, you know, most of these places don't, they don't charge you tax and all that. So, someone has uh, $30 to spend on potatoes, celery, and a couple of plants. Now they have 20 That's if they even come here now. Yeah. Who, who gets the money? Who gets the $10 I, per parking spot? I don't know. That'd be a great question. Yeah, because if the person getting the money isn't the person who built and maintained that parking lot, then that's total bullshit. That is bullshit. And and anyhow, it's not. And actually, this parking lot right here would be great if you could get here on the weekends, but they block it off. Mm -hmm. See, so then you're forced to go to these parking lots out here yeah. that are going to charge you ten bucks. Yeah. And I predict this, like many other Kansas City uh, things, complete failure. And unfortunately, a lot of people are going to be hurt before they figure out this is not the right move. Yeah. 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 Hard times will hit, and then they'll dump money in to keep their business. Afloat. Hard times hit to, will hit. Yeah. I think they're already they're use up their reserves trying to battle this losing situation. Yeah, it's just Greed. ridiculous, and it makes me wonder if maybe they're trying to get people in the habit of paying for parking early because this uh, new ballpark downtown is really starting to gather some steam and clout. The new owner. Sherman, I think is his last name. He's coming in hot and heavy with this idea. And it might be a good idea. But the thing is, the parking situation in Kansas City's been dire. It's always yeah. been dire. And, it, uh, yeah. you know, and then you add another element, like, I don't know, 40,000 people to it, assuming we have a competitive team. If we have a competitive team, it's not unusual to get 30,000 on a weeknight. Yeah. It used to happen all the time. So, imagine this right here, what we did today, parking here, okay? Add 30,000 people that equation. And I, one of the answers is, is they're going to have to knock down some stuff and build some big structures. Yeah. Large structures that are just parking. Yeah, there's probably some, some lots that they could either are empty or convert to empty. And Something, yeah. service. Well, I know one, the one right behind Anthony's uh, restaurant, that hill there, nothing's been there for years. Why can't they level that off and build a big parking structure? Yeah. Multi-use, anything, you know. And then, you know, tell people five bucks to park here and includes a shuttle to the stadium in the back. Yeah. 
that that would go over very well. And that's assuming we do get a stadium because funds are a huge issue right now because, I mean. I don't see any reason to spend all that money on a new stadium when there's so many other things that need need attention. Now, I mean, if they were going to build that – that ski shuttle, like they were going to, but then their build back better thing didn't go through. But if they're going to build that ski lift over Kansas City to get people everywhere, then I'd say go ahead and buy the stadium and <laughs> forget that ski lift. Yeah. But since hmm. that's not on the table now, then yeah, we have other stuff. You know what I mean? If they're going to waste yeah. that much money, I'm mean, going to, well, waste it on something that's going to give you some revenue. So. The situation has also been set up well to start charging for parking everywhere because for decades mass transit has been ridiculed in Kansas City. It's yeah. always looked on as some lunatic idea that Clay Chastain guy who was who was in Oh, bag. I forgot about him. Yeah, he was run out of town. But the, the anti-flight rail people would bring him back and put him in charge because they knew he'd turn off everybody. And that's how they that's well, how they kept killing light rail is because they put Chastain Clay Chastain in charge on purpose, knowing no one could stand him, and they wouldn't vote for it. Yeah, and his problem was his uh, delivery. Yeah, uh, you know he'd come at him like they're a bunch of fools, and but you know people are like uh, we're not dealing with this guy. Yeah, yeah, he was a good idea man, but he needed somebody to speak for him. Yes. So yeah. he could schmooze a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he had no idea on that concept. And, uh, yeah, and he failed miserably. But then as soon as he got out of the way, what they do? They came up with this, um, you know, the shuttle street or streetcar. Yeah. yeah. They just yeah. didn't want to have him involved in it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and if you're going to do light rail, then why would you not look at going from maybe Topeka to St. Louis? Yeah. You know, I mean... Hey, there are plenty of times I'd like to go visit St. Louis, but I'm not going to drive there. No, I mean, if you have light rail, I'd be like, I'd be over there quite a bit if it's for yeah. light rail. I'm not going to fly there. I'm not going to drive there. But I'd take a train. Yeah. But, yeah, apart from that, sorry, St. Louis. If I need yeah, the area, yeah. I'll visit, but I'm not driving there. Because nope. I-70 is just crap. <laughs> oh, I-70 is, it's almost like a gravel road on today's structures. I yeah. mean, it's horrible. It was one of the early sections of interstate and interstates are only supposed to have ups and down hills of a certain degree uh-huh. and curves of a certain degree so uh-huh. you can maintain your speed um, I-70 from Kansas City to St. Louis breaks a lot of those rules and another thing they did is maybe they're within the rules on as far as hills, but they have hill after hill after hill after hill after hill. I wonder how come, because it was so early, they didn't have the uh, equipment available to they, level everything? They did, but in the earlier days of building the interstate, the, uh, um, it wasn't as tightly regulated. So they'd send okay. someone to Missouri and say, okay, here's our plan, and then the Missouri person would take over and say, okay, how can I make the most money off by rooting it where, wherever I mean, the hell you I You go want. through Colorado and I-70, I mean, yeah, you're going to have ups and downs. They mm-hmm. couldn't really help that because the mountains are so steep, but yeah. <laughs> it's still a straight line. Mm-hmm. But Missouri's, Missouri's interstate, I-70 anyway, was built 
in such a way that trucks cannot maintain their speed. Yeah. Because there's too much up and down, there are too many tight turns, way too many access points, exits on and off, because mm -hmm. it's supposed to be controlled access. It is. But it's yeah. not. I mean, whoever is in charge got paybacks from all these little Missouri towns, say, hey, route your interstate through us and build us an exit ramp. We'll give you 10 grand and we're gonna reap money off the back end through tourism. And that's how I-70 got designed, is to satisfy all these special interests. And it turned out being a crap road. You can't maintain speed on it if you're I mean, you could, you can. I've done this before. You could almost, if it wasn't for Sedalia and Jefferson City, you could take 50 Highway almost in the same amount of time. Yeah. And it's a better road. It's in better condition. It's in better condition. It is. That's insane. And that's a U.S. highway with stoplights. You know. Let's see, it's four lane all the way to Sedalia now, isn't it? Yes. It is. And then past Sedalia, go back down to two lane. I think it does, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's still not too bad. It's no, wide. And, and it's, yeah. it's not as heavily traveled. You have a lot better chance of being able to pass. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Even though it's two lane. Yeah, the only problem is if they had, they do have the byways, like the 50... Uh, Business loop. Yeah, and all that. Yeah, yeah so I mean... But you do have stoplights before you get to the loops. Yeah. But if it wasn't for those stoplights, I would almost rather travel 50 highway just because it's straighter and better condition. Yeah. And you don't have to put up with the truckers, especially the ones that are trying to get around another one. Mm -hmm. And they have that governor on there that won't mm -hmm. allow them over so many. So So they sit there both chugging up the hill at the same speed. Yeah, and everybody back here is everyone's going insane because they're 10 miles under the speed limit. Mm -hmm. And then you get the people in the back up getting pissed and starting to zip around. Yeah, yeah. And then really unsafe because they're like, you know, one one truck's closing in on the other and they're like, I can chance it. Yep. Go I'll squeeze my ass on in there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But I-70 I just needs, it needs to be totally redone. Mm -hmm. But I don't imagine anyone ever wants to spend that much well, money. And here's a trust issue, too, because they wanted to do this several times. Okay, and they wanted came up with a tax. If people really trusted the tax system, you know, mm. because uh, the lottery says it's supposed to be for schools. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, that worked out. Yeah. Justine yeah. has been here how long? The schools are still shit. Yeah, they're yeah they're that worse than great. ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no one trusts it when they go. Oh, we need to redo I seven. You're like, yeah, we do. But no, we're not paying for it because mm. you're you're going to wipe the ass with your money. And then blame it on someone else. Yeah. 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 Back to the, the Boeing 737. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, in the intervening, I mean, after the first crash, Boeing started hammering the media. Plane is safe. Plane is perfect. Has to be pilot error. I mean, they were hammering these Indonesian pilots. Oh, they're not as good as American pilots. Yeah. They are qualified to fly in American airspace because their, their restrictions are so lax. They were, blame, were blaming the pilots left and right. Boeing already knew it was their stupid MCAS system that crashed the plane. But they're out there slandering the dead pilots. Love it. that America? Mm. <laughs> and then five months later, the one out of uh, Ethiopia took off, had the exact same crash. Now in this case, the Ethiopian pilots were certified to fly in American airspace. They did it every day. There was a nonstop to DC. Mm -hmm. every single day so yeah these were well qualified pilots and number two they were told that the MCAS system was on their plane and they were told how to turn it off 
So the plane took off, the sensor malfunctioned again, and that's another thing, one tiny little sensor. You never have a single point of catastrophic failure on an aircraft. No. You build in two or three redundancies. Yes, everything. I mean, like from engines on down, yeah. everything breaks. It was a single point of failure on a critical safety system. Yeah. That's bad engineering. That is bad engineering. No way you can say that it's not bad engineering. Well, it goes back to McDonnell Douglas mm -hmm. and when they took it over. Pinching the pennies, yes. Yeah. So anyway, these pilots are flying and the aircraft is starting to do the same thing and they're heading down again. They, they know what to do now. They turn the MCAS system off. But according to internal Boeing memos, you have under 10 seconds from the onset of the problem to turn that off or you can't recover. Wow. Yeah. And that was the case when they sent all those planes out in the first place and didn't tell anybody about it. Uh-huh. So these pilots, they knew what to do. They turned it off within the 10 seconds, but by that time, the tail plane was, was in the jacked up position to force nose down, and they were going so fast that the air pressure wouldn't let them pull Even. that tail plane down. They're sitting there, and they couldn't move the yoke because it was jammed in that nose down position. So they just went and nosed right in at 500 miles an hour. So they did everything right, but the system had already Well, like you said, they didn't, so yeah, they didn't. There was no chance of recovery. From the moment it started happening, they had no chance. They did everything right, and they still had no chance. And Boeing knew it. Boeing designed the aircraft that way. Boeing hid it. Boeing lied it, lied about it. Like a year later, the uh, the CEO Muhlenberg <clears throat> was called to testify, mm -hmm. and they made him turn around and look at all the relatives of the people who died, holding up pictures of their loved ones that died. Uh -huh. They said he resigned two months later. <laughs> he resigned a millionaire. He got yes, sixty-two he million in. Stock I'm surprised they didn't find him somewhere. In a so lagoon, uh, you know. But new management took over, and then eventually the government sued Boeing mm -hmm. for intentionally defrauding the FAA. Then again, the MCAS a, a slightly different note. And mm -hmm. Where did that money go when they won? Because I know the government, the government. won. Yeah. Yeah. You see us bullshit. Two and a half billion dollars that Boeing had to pay for knowingly... Uh -huh. Putting out an unsafe airplane, allowing it to stay in service while the people died, mm -hmm. lying about the cause and the fix. Uh -huh. They got off the two and a half billion dollars in fines paid to the government. No criminal prosecution anywhere. And here's something else: that two and a half billion was already figured in. Already figured in. That's what these corporations do. They come up with a new pill, and they go, well, a certain amount of people, their liver's going to just go kaput. So, anyhow, here's how much money we're going to have to uh, give to the, the families and everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, okay, and then this much is for R&D and all that. So this is our profits already figured in. They knew they were going to pay the government that money. Mm -hmm. The government knew they were going to get that money. And what is it? Just a big shakedown continues. Yeah. They, they took that time to figure out how to couch it all, how to hide it all, who gets paid off what amount. Yeah, and the government got paid off, so they're done with it. They're like, well, yeah, we find them, and uh, 
we checked into everything, so uh, everything is uh, signed, sealed, delivered, so uh, move along. Even the FAA eventually released a statement saying that they didn't think that McDonnell Douglas did anything wrong on purpose. On purpose. <laughs> Oops, I pushed you off the cliff and you're dead. Well, what's on purpose? I, I got to give Netflix this right here. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, complete accident. <laughs> Netflix is hiring the right people to dig these stories up and yeah. to figure them out and to get to the real story. And produce them in a really yeah. good way. Yeah, yeah. Th this is true journalism right here. Yeah. This is not giving a shit who you're dealing with, but you're still finding out the real story and bringing it out there. They had a, a clip of a hidden camera. A following uh -huh. employee came to work with a hidden camera on him. Uh -huh. And you could see him walking up to another employee and saying, um, the night shift didn't clean out that you know, whatever. There was a, some part of the airplane that had like metal fibers and junk and it had to be all cleaned out and, and fixed up before it was passed on. And the night shift was supposed to do that. And this, this guy walked up to a, a fellow employee and said, yeah, the night shift didn't do it. They said they didn't have time. They said it wasn't their fucking time. They didn't have the fucking time to do it. And the guy he's talked to just goes, his eyes get big, his mouth drop open. And he, he literally stands there for about 10 seconds, not knowing what to say. And he just turns and puts his head down on the aircraft he's working on. He's like, oh my God. He just can't believe that management had just told him to send a defective airplane on its way and get it out the door. And you, there it is. The employee was told, and employees were told, do not document. Mm -hmm. anything. Employees were starting to say, this aircraft is unsafe, quality control is shit, there are problems here. Whereas before, management would shut down the line and said, okay, tell me what's going on. Now, management would attack the employee, fire them, mm -hmm. and fire anybody who wrote anything down on paper. The company came out with a directive saying, nothing is to be documented, nothing written down, so we can maintain culpable liability uh, uh, liability um, whatever the term is, they are not, not uh, culpable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They so can claim plausible deniability. There plausible deniability. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. They told their employees, "Yeah, we we're going to maintain plausible deniability. So don't come with us with bad news." And that became the culture at Boeing. Don't go to your boss with bad news. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. No. That's yeah. I mean. And now the seven thirty seven Maxes are flying again, and they say, "Oh yeah, they're safe this time." <laughs> yeah, that's what you told us last time. Yeah. And then another plane load of people died. I will not get on a 737 MAX ever in my life. I will not do it. Well, I the know smart, that plane is unsafe. The I smart know airlines are going to get rid of all those. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I, I'd rather fly on Airbus from now on than any Boeing aircraft. That's saying was, a lot, Airbus. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. like mid-90s when McDonnell Douglas took over Boeing. Uh, Any plane built from that point on, I don't trust. Any plane maintained from that point on, I don't trust. I mean, I don't like air travel anyway. But after after that documentary about Boeing and their 737. You're going to see where all geez. the cheap flights are going to be McDonnell Douglas aircrafts. Yeah. And that's the thing. They, they, they want cheap as possible, fast as possible, and... 
safety is, you know, lip service. Yeah, that's, that's in so many places. It's just like uh, my former job was like that too. Remember when Boeing moved their headquarters from Seattle to Chicago? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I do. The sole reason behind that is they wanted physical separation between the bosses who were running the company and the engineers who were bitching about what terrible airplanes these were. They wanted to be halfway across the country where they didn't have to deal with them. Yeah, and then where they, they, could, no they could miss emails and miss memos uh -huh. and stuff. Well, we never got that over here. Mm. Yeah. And you think of the 737 debuted in 1967. Mm -hmm. So at the time these the uh, the Max 8 and the Max 9 were designed, it was a 45-year-old design. Wow. And even the even the airlines were saying these things need to be retired and replaced. They're old. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're just not cutting it anymore. But Boeing knew if they had to design an aircraft from scratch, they couldn't get it on the market for another 7 to 10 years. By that time, Airbus would have put them out of business. Mm -hmm. So they take some existing technology, do horrible bad engineering on it, shove it out the door as, here you go, and they sold hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. God. Every one of them was, every one of them is flawed. Every one of them wants to fall out of the air, except all these old crappy subsystems they put on to try to get the level of pilot to fight the aircraft and stay in the air. I mean, we're laughing, but it's really disgusting. It wants to crash. The way it's designed, it wants to crash. And they have to put extra crap on it to talk it out of crashing. That's not a safe aircraft. There's no way you Imagine if your car was like that, they have all this stuff on there so it can steer okay. Yeah, that's just... I mean, the, the, Air, the Air Force built an aircraft like that. It was, uh, I think it was the X-29. Anyway, they, they took the swept yeah, aircraft it, yeah, and I know swept the wings about. forward. Mm -hmm. It looked like those horribly ugly reverse flying bees that you see. I called it like the giant robot. Remember the old? Yeah. Uh, yeah it, to me, for sure. some reason, it looked like that Johnny Sacco. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, the giant robot launch deal. Yeah. Anyhow. Well, the X twenty nine was by design just insanely unstable. Mm -hmm. But that's how it got its maneuverability. There's no way a human pilot could react fast enough to control the airplane in flight. So they developed a computer control system that, you know, when the pilot's holding the stick, he's not actually moving any control surfaces. You know, mm -hmm. When he moves the stick this way, it tells the computer, I want to bank left this much. And the computer issues the correct response, uh, control changes, etc., etc. Or if you're trying to do something impossible, the aircraft is just ignoring you. But without that computer controlled system making thousands and thousands of decisions a second, that plane is unflyable. Mm -hmm. And it was intentionally designed that way because you can get outrageous maneuverability by letting it get completely out of control and then reestablishing control. Wow. You know, you can make a maneuver that puts you in like this horrible flat spin or whatever, and then the computer, you know, figures out how to get you out of it, and you've made this insane maneuver and gotten behind the guy you're trying to shoot. Uh huh. But it turned out it was just way too complicated. It was so hard to keep the plane even just flying that computers weren't complex enough, they weren't fast enough, that just, you know, they, they were having crashes and the plane could barely perform. 
and it's like, yeah, forget this. They could do that probably now with very complex computers, but they figured out a better way. They don't have to make it a super unstable aircraft in order to get into maneuverability. They've learned how to change the configuration of the aircraft itself to make it temporarily unstable uh -huh. and then switch back. You know, the X-29 was unstable all the time. That's The modern aircraft <laughs> can get unstable and make these crazy maneuvers that you can't make if you're actually flying normally. Yeah. And then they can recover from that. So it's like controlled chaos. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't put those on commercial aircraft flying passengers across the No, country. no. But that's what Boeing did. Yeah. They designed an inherently unstable aircraft and then threw on a system to, to try to fix that. And unless that system is absolutely bulletproof, then that's bad design. And there's no way around that. I don't see how anyone can say, oh yeah, well that's fine to you know, make it a death trap and then throw in one extra thing that keeps it from killing it. No. Uh, no. No. no, 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 no. What's wrong with the traditional way where <laughs> yeah. you don't have to do that? It's like telling everybody, you know, we're going to let people shoot at random, but, you know, it's up to you to wear body armor over everything. <laughs> That's a good way to do it, yeah. Yeah, that, no, oh. and, and remember Captain Sully who landed his plane in the East River? Yeah, he, I love he it. He testified. Oh, that. he did? Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, and he, he, was, he was, they only showed him a few times, but, man, that guy knows his stuff. Um, when one of the Boeing executives was was reasserting, it's like you know, it's it's safe, and you know, here are the procedures. And you know, if you follow procedures, everything's going to be fine. And, and Sully said, it's not the responsibility of the pilot to make up for shortcomings of the aircraft. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, exactly. And that just ripped Boeing's argument apart. Because Boeing kept saying, well, we fixed it, it's up to you to do it right. And Sully was saying, no, you made it semi-functional, it's up to you to make it absolutely functional so we yeah. don't have to think I, about it. I mean, you're talking about a guy, I mean, if you listen yeah. to the transcripts or, or the recording, probably the recording, you know, it's like, well, uh, we think we can get you in JFK and tell me, nah, we'll be in the Hudson. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, what about like, uh, we're going to be in the Hudson. Yep, yeah, we're going to be in the river. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah just, the Hudson, right? Not the yeah, East River. Yeah, the Hudson, I believe. Yeah, if yeah. they landed in the East River, they probably would have all got you know, contaminated by toxic waste. And uh, <laughs> East yeah. River's horrid. Or hit Roosevelt <laughs> Island, I think that's in the East yeah. River. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, anyhow. yeah, you know, he was so calm and collect, like he was really sure. He's like, yeah. nah, we're going to be in the Hudson. And all the, you know, their traffic controllers are like, uh, we could get you in. He's like, nah, we're going to be in the Hudson. And that was that was so brilliant because he knew he could land in the Hudson with minimal risk. Yeah. Trying to divert to another airfield. Disaster. If he didn't make it, they'd all die. Yes, he knew that. And yeah. that's... Uh, so I can land here and we're probably all... He should have ran for president, actually. <laughs> probably didn't want it. Yeah, no, no, no. He's <laughs> an honest guy. So yeah. he's like, nah, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, he's an honest, intelligent guy. Yeah. That takes you out right there. Oh, yeah. 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 So, no, everything that you just spoke about is, is why I don't get too critical anymore about people that reject the idea of vaccines. Because all they have to do to discredit anyone that's like, well, you need to get that, maybe you do. Mm -hmm. Okay? Maybe it will, you know, help save lives, right? And I think, you know, I got mine, you know, I'm triple. Uh, but the thing is, is... They go, yeah, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? There's like a hundred different cases 
that tells you that everybody's a liar for money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, it tears your stance of, well, you should believe the government and what they say. Mm-hmm. Totally to nothing. Live from his underground bunker underneath the Little Blue River, another exciting episode of Ask Mr. Creepy. That's right, pilgrims. I'm here for all your questions. Email me at mrcreepy72 at mindspring.com. Woo-woo. Talk to you then, bitches. Mr. Creepy, I had a, a question for you. I was in a, a, a public restroom the other day at a, a restaurant, and and I was peeing, and... and the guy in the, the urinal, urinal next to me, he just was paying a lot more attention to me than him. And he was, I hate to say it, but he was meat, meat gazing. Oh, my. So, so what you're saying is, is he was deliberately looking at your penis while he was pissing. Yes. So not even looking at his. No. Just always yours. Yeah. Well, okay. He made eye contact with it. Well, number one, we must... Uh, admit that it's perfectly normal to look at another penis, you know, because some people, you know, have that, that little bottle cap head, you know. <laughs> some of them, you know, they got a little thimble. Some of them, you know, they got a huge shaft and a little little, little bottle cap head, or they got the opposite, a little shaft and a huge head. You know, some are kind of discolored. Some have a huge pee hole. You know, you just never know what you're going to run into. So I think it's per- you know, perfectly natural to look over there and go, oh my God, that guy's so big, but oh, Oh my, look at that. Oh, God played such a trick on that guy. Oh, jeez. That huge man with that small penis. Oh, God. Can you imagine looking down at that every day and going, Why me? Why did this have to happen to me? This is utter bullshit. But anyhow, Mr. Creepy has some pretty good ideas of how you can get through this. Yeah. Number one, you look him up in the eyes. You look back down at your penis. You look back up to let him know that you know that he's looking at your penis. <laughs> and then you look him in the face again and you go, Oh my, look, the scabs are being. <laughs> <laughs> and if that doesn't work, you get a real confident look on your face. You look back down at your junk. You look him right in the eyes. You look back at your junk. You get a little wry grin and you go, I have an extension. (laughs) (laughs) And if said meat laser just keeps staring, I've got another one for you. (laughs) Once again, this takes a little gazing at you and a little gazing in his eyes and a little gazing at yourself and a little gazing in his eyes and you go, tell your girlfriend. You certainly seem impressed. <laughs> or Mr. Creepy's personal favorite. Now this one, if this guy doesn't leave on this one, get the fuck out of there. Because that guy has got something really wrong with him. You look down at your penis, you look back in his face, you squint your eyes and you say, Oh my, I ate too much buffalo sauce. My pee-pee mess sure burns my eyes. <laughs> if that guy doesn't run the fuck out of there, he's a fucking psychopath. And he's going to fucking kill you. He's going to kill you and he's going to wear your penis. You get the fuck out of there because that guy is no good. So, oh my. Okay. <laughs> you go through them with all those steps. 
because of said penile gazer. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Creepy out. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I derailed everything because we talked a long time on one subject, and I was like, you know what? Let's move on to some other stuff, man. All right. All right. Let's see. Um, oh, did you ever come up with your uh, invisible? Mm, no, I haven't. I haven't come up with my invisible for a day. Do you want to hear mine? Sure. sure. All right. Well, okay. Uh, me and Christopher here uh, devised a little game here. It's called your invisible for a day. And you get to hand out five ass paddlings to whoever, and we can keep this going as long as we want. <laughs> and uh, and anyhow, I, I came up with my five. And uh, anyhow, uh, the number one guy that I would love to ass paddle would be Kim Jong Un. Oh, I want to yes. take his little fucking little goofy little fucking sawed off ass, pick him up, <laughs> and just paddle the fuck out of him for about five hours. Yeah. Every time he thinks I'm stopping, I don't. I'll leave him alone for 10 minutes and then he'll like get up and try to pull his little fucking britches up and then fucking throw him back down, paddle the piss at him again. You know, just keep it going. And tell him that's what he gets for feeding his uncle to dogs live, <laughs> which he did. Remember that? Yeah. He, yeah. This is like his uncle and a couple other people. He, he starved some dogs and then he had these people thrown naked in with the dogs and watched while the dogs killed and ate the people he didn't like. So, yeah, he definitely deserves an ass paddling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and a lot more, but yeah. I just think it'd be fun at this level. Just keep doing it and humiliate yeah. him. And, uh, and, and don't forget, this is the guy that, that Dennis Rodman went over and, and thought yeah, was the greatest guy in the world. And, and He was at yeah. the resort we were at, uh, me and Val were at last year. Um, uh, uh, anyhow, it's called Ocean Manor Hotel and Resort, and mm -hmm. we used to stay there a lot, probably not anymore, but I met Michael Irvin there. He was really nice. Uh, mm -hmm. Dennis Rodman was there, and he is just exactly what you think, a complete fuck-up, so so trash, he couldn't hardly talk, going yeah. around, freeloading. Yeah, hey, he, he's a bag of shit, and I can't stand him. And all these people are just fucking marking out to him, jumping up, going, can I oh, get your yeah. picture? And Val goes, don't you want your picture? And I go, no, I fucking hate the guy. Said I don't want anything to do with it. Matter of fact, I feel ick just standing next to the sun. Really? Bitch. Who wants their picture taken with you know Jeffrey Dahmer? Yeah, exactly. And all the charges that he has against him at that hotel mm. that he got out of. All you got to do is look him up. Public mm. record. Yep. So yeah, anyhow, it, Dennis Robin will be on my next one. I'm sure. So, yeah, Kim Jong Un. Or what, no, no, no. Good, when good I'm paddling Kim Jong Un, I'll just pull Dennis Robin out of his ass. Oh, there you I'll go. Paddle him in. <laughs> <laughs> Number two would be the fuckless wonder, Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, yeah. I'd like to paddle that motherfucker for 30 hours straight. You, that fucking goofy-looking fucking non-human piece of shit. And, you know, I bet the expression on his face would never change because he's completely made of plastic now, apparently. Oh, he, yeah. That guy's one of the biggest pieces of shit to ever walk the face of earth. I'd like to feed him his nutsack while I'm paddling him. He is definitely starting to show major signs of megalomania he, he thinks is, he is uh, just 100%. the biggest and the best and every idea he has is perfect let's face it that guy got his ass kicked in school every fucking day and all he's doing is getting he's getting society back for that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's lashing out for the for the ass whippings he took yeah. and he's trying he wants to control and manipulate everybody and everything with his stupid metaverse virtual reality life 
Okay. That's why and I he's called Facebook people. up with worthless shit because it's a worthless piece of shit. <laughs> yes, it is. He, they're selling virtual real estate. Yeah. In Zuckerberg's virtual world, but they want you to pay in real money. Yeah. Imagine that. Fuck that guy. Yeah. They know and, that and virtual fuck is bullshit. anybody likes, if you like Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> get off our podcast right now. Go fucking, just get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go play with the guy yeah. in the red with the red balloons down the sewer. And by the way, the people that are bitching about my jokes, you are the joke. Yes. And you just don't get it. <laughs> you get on there, you fucking yipe off, and then I tell you it's the greatest joke ever. Everybody else laughs except you. <laughs> you're the moron that perpetuates it by every time going, oh my God, you're losing steam. Oh, that wasn't funny. Who the fuck knows, man? You know what I think's funny? I think a kid falling on his fucking ass and breaking his nose is funny. <laughs> Anyhow, okay, <laughs> number three. Okay. Right Number three, ask Padlin, is anyone I hear uh, mispronouncing the word schedule? Schedule, or however the fuck they say Schedule, or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody that says it like that, mm. schedule, or whatever, they need an ask Padlin. It mm. could be anybody. I don't care who it is. If they mispronounce that word, they need an ask Padlin. Yeah, I can see that. This number four I covet, and I almost put him at number one, but I kept him there. Skip Bayless. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. He'd be on my list if he wasn't on yours. No, you can put him on your list. You can battle him, too. Skip Bayless has about as much appeal as a 10-year-old piece of bubblegum stuck under the seat of a porno theater. (laughs) That's about how worthless Skip Bayless is. Worthless piece of dick skin, Skip Bayless. That guy, it, it doesn't matter. You could have the best thing since sliced bread. We do. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes. That guy has got to motherfucking because he's not from a large market. Yeah. He's not from the coast. And also, he thinks like he acts like he knows something that he doesn't. And Skip Bayless can't seem to get the taste of Dallas Cowboy dick out of his mouth. Yeah. Because if you're not Dallas Cowboys, then Skip Bayless thinks you're not worth anything. And if you are the Dallas Cowboys, then he hits his knees and opens up. Yes. And the thing is, is if he had something to back it up, I could actually respect it. But all he is is the counter-programmer. That's all he's ever been. I've watched a little bit of him. Only a little bit because I can't stand much more than that. But yeah, he has no rational, reasonable arguments. He's just a flake. And he screams and yells and he gets angry and he interrupts and none of that is persuasive. It's just a spectacle. Well, and none of it is in, in intelligent thought, no. thought provoking, no. just counter programming. Whatever comes his way, he's going to go the opposite way. Yeah, yeah. And the, so to me, that means he's playing a role. He's what you see on TV is just a character. And he's either he's coming up with the script or the script is being handed to him. It's like when Bob Gretz went to work for the for Carl Peterson and yeah, the Chiefs. That's a great Bob Gretz started out as an okay sports journalist in the town. As soon as he went to work for the Chiefs, uh-huh. he became Carl Peterson's marionette. Mm-hmm. You could see Peterson's hand up his back, mo- making Bob Gretz's mouth move up and down and say whatever Carl Peterson wanted him to say about the Chiefs and making sure he never said anything bad about the Chiefs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great because before that, Gretz would kind of, he was kind of a, 
he'd get on people's nerves a bit because he was he was pushy. He's like, I want to know. I push, push, push. He wasn't what I call a heavy hitter. No, but he could provoke a good thought here and there. He could push a point. But yeah, after he went to work for Peterson, he was completely different. He He was was a hand puppet. Yeah. Yeah. And where they say Jim Nance, he's pretty much that way for for professional golf. Apparently, on the recent Masters golf tournament, Mm -hmm. it was just from start to finish a Tiger Woods love fest. Even when he was way out of it, had no chance, he was like 32 strokes back. If I watched, I could tell you, but that would not surprise me at all. But I I read an article about the coverage, and this, this person who wrote the article was very plain about how sickened he was about just the constant ass-kissing of Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. It's like, Tiger was completely irrelevant in that entire Masters tournament. But instead of showing you somebody actually making a putt that counted, they would show you Tiger Woods, you know, taking his gloves on and off, waiting for his chance yes. to go. They would cut away from the actual sporting event to show Tiger Woods just because he's Tiger Woods. And apparently, I didn't watch any of it because golf bores the crap out of me. <laughs> me too. But apparently, a lot of people objected. There are, you know, the, the article printed a number of tweets from people saying, you know, shut, about, shut up about Tiger Woods already. <laughs> you know, this, they're just trying to force him down the throat. Mm-hmm. And I was reminded of Ben Roethlisberger's last game at Heinz Field last season the commentators for the game it was awful wasn't it they could not quit kissing his ass for they completely disregarded Roethlisberger's criminal records yeah the yeah the performance enhancing drugs the rape charges the yeah the charges the the sexual assault charges there were like four or five Uh of them sexual harassment abuse but all of that gets thrown out of the window because Oh, it's Ben Roethlisberger, and he's been so wonderful, and we want to sell like a bunch him. of his jerseys. It was like I never did like the guy, and I never will. I think he's a piece of shit. And I never had much. You know, basically, he looks like Will Ferrell trying <laughs> trying to pretend to be a football player. <laughs> he does. I mean, how much does the guy look like? Looking motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like Will Ferrell in an ill-suiting role. But if yeah. the, you know, so, and then Aaron Rodgers too. They just they started kissing all over his ass, even though he's a creep and a jerk, and everyone knows he's a creep and a jerk. Yeah, but right. all of a sudden it's the NFL broadcast, and ooh, last chance to, to you know pimp his jerseys and get everyone to spend money. Why, why don't you just put O.J. Simpson back on broadcasting? I wouldn't be surprised because at I least he was found innocent. Yeah, and yeah. I think his son killed killed Nicole anyway. And he covered that's for it. it. That's under a lot of debate. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, for a while there, it was like, you know, OJ did it and he got away with it. And then somebody was like, well, he didn't do it. And you think, he had oh, a worse relationship with Nicole? Yeah. But Him. You start, son. You start yeah. looking at all the evidence that OJ used, OJ's team used to acquit it, like the glove not fitting. It's because it was his son's glove. And the extra blood that they couldn't identify. You see, and the reason OJ had to keep his mouth shut was mm-hmm. double jeopardy. There wasn't any because if it, it was his son, he could be tried any time. He could be tried right now for it. So he's got to go around as a murderer if he didn't do it. And if it's his son, he's got to go around as a murderer and play a fine line. Well, you know, even even now, since, since OJ was put on trial mm-hmm. and acquitted, if 
they brought OJ's son up on charges for killing Nicole Brown and um, Ronald Goldman. Gold, I remember the Goldman part, but I couldn't remember his first name. Everything in that first trial would be used to create reasonable doubt. The same defense attorneys that were saying, OJ didn't do it, he didn't possibly do it. If his son was on trial, those exact same defense lawyers would be saying, but his son didn't do it because his dad did. See, look at all this evidence. And they could do that because OJ's already been tried and I never acquitted. thought about it like that, you're right. And they can't It'd try him again. It would be too easy. Even if they found a ton of new evidence, they could not try him again for the same crime. It would have to be a different crime. You're right. Like trespassing or well, violating I mean, someone's civil rights. But just he's like already the, been tried for murder. Just like him going to never prison, eventually again. going to prison. I mean, that whole thing. Yeah, like, they set him up and busted him. Yeah. Just because yeah. they, just because, and it wasn't. I mean, maybe they thought he was guilty. Maybe they didn't. I think it was more like all the mud he slung and the Mark Furman stuff and how yeah. it, you know. I think that all of that was like a get back. It's like, oh, oh you, yeah, you hurt us. You hurt our yeah. whole establishment here. You cast this kind of shadow on us. That, they wanted to throw some mud on OJ yeah. to make it to to get people thinking. Well, maybe he's not such a nice guy after all. Which, you know, he really wasn't. I mean, it really did ruin careers. Oh, yeah. It ruined a lot of careers. You know whose career it made? Anyone named Kardashian. Oh, God. Because he was one of the defense attorneys. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, Robert Kardashian was. And that's how all those Kardashian whores got famous is because their dad defended O.J. Simpson. Uh, yeah. Without well, that, you, you wouldn't even know the name Kardashian. Worthless pieces of fucking labia. <laughs> that is <laughs> God, I, I can't even look at those whores, you know? And in a way, you can't really blame them because they grew up being manipulated by their mother. I mean, actually, it's genius by Chris. Yeah, Chris she, Jenner's she plan. Figured it out. I mean, it's kind of like the Osbournes, only the yep. other way around, you know. It's or like the Jacksons. Or the Jacksons, yeah. Or the Osmonds. The Osmonds is number one. It's, it's the parents exploiting their children's talents then again, whatever. let's face it, Ozzy's children would not have a career if it wasn't for that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Especially Kelly. Yeah. I can't watch her on TV for three seconds. No. I'm sure she's totally different in person, but the character that she always plays on TV... Is annoying as fuck. Oh, she is so obnoxious and revolting mm-hmm. that the character she chooses to play that I literally would have to get far away from her because I would worry about my ability to control my arm because I would just want to smack the shit out of that stupid face. I would agree. And I have no right to do that, so I need to just get away and avoid her forever and ever, which I will. And as as far as Ozzy goes, uh, his singing ability, yeah, not the best. Really not that there. But I've always kind of, I always looked at him kind of like a backdoor genius. Yeah. He doesn't realize how genius what he's done and portrayed is. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't. Yeah. You know, his uh, his famous exploitations of alcoholism and drug abuse, mm-hmm. how it led to him being even more famous. Absolutely. I remember one of my, <laughs> I think I might have told you this, but this is a podcast. So anyhow, one of my <laughs> famous ones is Brad Gillis. You know, Brad Gillis replaced uh, um, um, Randy Rhodes right after he died because he was the only guitarist that could like pick up a guitar and learn some of those, at the time, very complex uh, mm-hmm pieces that Rhodes, you know, performed on and wrote uh, in the first two Aussie uh, solo albums. 
So uh, anyhow, they had to get Brad Gillis because he come up there and he's like, okay, I can play these hit songs pretty well and I can play the solos pretty well. So and uh, Ozzy actually asked him to be part of his band and he was bent on Night Ranger, which he did very well with. Mm-hmm. So he didn't want to be a part of Ozzy's band, but in his book, um, this is one of the things that makes Ozzy famous. Is um, he said that um, they back then they did a gig like every five days. They didn't do one every other night like they do now. Yeah. Well, now Ozzy probably do one once a month if he does one at all. Yeah. But okay, it's like one every five days. So they go to the town that they're at because it was a system. It's like okay, we're gonna go there five days ahead of time, and by the time Ozzy gets done partying and burn out after four days, he'll find his way back. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll get him on stage. Sharon was becoming increasingly worried because Ozzy disappeared in Dallas. Nobody knows where he's at. Nobody even seen him. They're like, oh, shit. Hopefully he's not dead. You know, yeah. you know he is all fuckered up. He is depressed about his friend being killed, you know, in that plane wreck. And, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, all of a sudden Ozzy shows up, like, at the hotel room, like, the day of the show. And, you know, Sharon's, like, freaking out. And, he was bald. He shaved his head. Oh my God. And, and everyone's like, you can't go on stage. You're a rocker. You can't have a shaved head. So he goes over to this closet and uh, he finds this wig, this long wig. He fucking throws it on. He goes, there, there, there you go. I got long hair now. So Sharon's like, yeah, you're going to have to wear a wig. So anyhow, I guess it was that wig that they decided to wear, but he goes, before the show, he goes over there, he takes that wig, and he goes over, he looks in the mirror, he grabs a bottle of ketchup off of Brad's, like, little burger tray deal, uh-huh. and he takes his ketchup, he throws it all over his head, and then he puts a wig back on. So Brad's like, oh, shit, this show is going <laughs> to suck. This guy's so blasted out of his brain. Oh, my God. So anyhow, he's out there, and he's playing, and about midway through the show, he pulls his wig off, and it looked like there was blood everywhere. Like he literally just tore ripped his, his entire scalp off. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's he genius! He said that the crowd was like, "Ugh!" was like running, vomiting, screaming. <laughs> he didn't have to wear the wig anymore. No. <laughs> and then after that was the famous photos of him. Yeah. <laughs> that is the backdoor genius I'm talking about. He mm-hmm. was just fuckered up and thought that was a great prank. Genius. Man, you talk about people, you know, I was at that show where he pulled, pulled his scalp off. No, he didn't. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim Morrison is that way as well. He was not a great singer, but he was a very emotional singer. He could convey yes. emotions very well. And the lyrics, yeah. also the deep-seated lyrics, the, mm-hmm. the, what would you call it, dark, cunning he wrote a lot of poetry. He wrote yeah. it as poetry first, mm-hmm. instead of trying to, you know, write it as song lyrics. Mm-hmm. But some, something I find it interesting to, to think about is if, if Jim Morrison had never done all those outrageous things off stage, and if he had never done the things on stage that got him arrested, if they were just judged by the musicality and just like a straightforward live performance, they would have had a brief, successful career and then it would have been forgotten been nothing, about. It would have been nothing like yeah. No, his antics fed into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at, there was a time when Morrison had grown his, his beard out 
really mm-hmm. heavy, which he did he on occasion. He didn't look the same. He looked he like Charles Manson on steroids. Or exactly, something. Yes. exactly. He got arrested because he'd crashed out on somebody's front porch. And was I remember the story. Yeah. And someone thought he looked like Charles Manson. Called the police and they had him arrested. And his is that where I got that from? I think so. But okay, his management anyhow. team played uh, right. it up huge because you know this was. Sixty-nine and Manson was just recently in the news, mm-hmm. and his management team played it up big time because it's publicity. Even though it, you know, compares their singer to some degenerate murderer, it's still publicity, and it got them noticed. Just like it all the gay rumors with all the '80s bands, every yeah. one of them were gay. Remember, but yeah. they started them yeah. because yeah. it was free publicity. Yep. Yep. Or the Rod Stewart one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, or like no. when Brian Bosworth, football player, was in Seattle. And he, his his team, his jersey number was 55. And he, was, he wasn't all that talented, but he had the attitude and worked on the image that he was, you know, some superstar god. So people started hating him. And he was going, he was, uh, Seattle was playing a game in Denver. Mm-hmm. And the week before... He sent a bunch of T-shirts, buttons, all sorts of things with, you know, his jersey number and then the red circle and the slash. Okay. And he was behind it. He was selling all the anti-Bosworth memorabilia to the Denver <laughs> fans because he knew they hated him. So he made a shit ton of money off that. Oh and my then god, don- that's funny. And then donated every penny. Oh, that's even better. That's even better. And then they felt like a bunch of fools. Yeah, years later, he told him, it's like, yeah, that was me selling all that. <laughs> How interesting listening to it through there. There we go. Yeah. Causing, but, you know, it's a Monday in the mid-morning to early afternoon. It's probably not going to get that crowded. But it would also not be a bad idea to look at some alternate sites. I think that's a good idea, too, besides yeah. here. I mean, one is that place we were going upstairs. Oh, yeah. I like that. Another one over near KU Med. We should also pick one that's going to be good for rainy days, where we're going to be sheltered. Yeah. But can still be outdoors if we want. Or Well, this one, believe it or not, is really good for rainy days. That's true. This would be a good shelter, and we get a lot of good ambient. Yeah. And, oh, oh. Um, I never did finish off number five mm, of my mm-hmm. ass patterns. Absolutely. Okay. Number five is most skateboarders. Yeah. Annoying fucks flying around here and there. Um, yeah. Yeah, on railings, what have you, getting in your way. So, but you know, we realize that everybody has their top five of invisible ass paddlings. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, anyhow, if you want to uh, submit your own requests, oh, we have an yeah. email for you. Yeah, it's yeah. called, yeah, it's called two dumb douchebags uh, at aol.com. So go ahead, feel free to break off an email to us about your ass paddlings. <laughs> and uh, anyhow, yeah, send them to us and uh, we'll read them. <laughs> so, well, I think yeah. that's a great idea. It is. <laughs> and, you know, when you're talking about most skateboarders, I'd, it probably would be a good idea to start with Tony Hawk. Yeah. Just because a guy his age shouldn't have anything to do with skateboarding I anymore agree. unless he's sitting behind a desk and, selling them. He shouldn't be out there getting his ass on him. Yeah, all of a sudden just get hemmed up, just like grabbed and like ass paddled. <laughs> like, ah, with, ah, ah. with a skateboard. With a skateboard. With yes. a skateboard, yes. <laughs> that that would be that would just, just 
just it would just fit, you know. It would. It's like you should if you're gonna beat Skip Bayless, it ought to be with like a, a Dallas Cowboys helmet, maybe or yeah, Jerry yeah. Jones's dick or yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. the only thing about Skip Bayless is you'd have to worry about the helmet itself, maybe you know falling in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True, and then you'd have to definitely have to burn that helmet afterwards. So, that would be yeah. like biohazard. No, I just let him have it. It's your helmet. You love him anyhow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess it would not be unfair to call Skip Bayless a Dallas Cowboys cum dump. Yes, yeah, yep. I think that should be his name. Yeah. Skip like, cum please, dump Bayless. Please jizz on me is yes. what he wears a sign. Please jizz on me, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, that fits. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, so that's 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 kind of like the uh, the intro version for our podcast. This is uh, this is intended to be our premiere episode. So this abortion is over, but there will be plenty more to follow. <laughs> yes, this is this is kind of like just two fingers in the bottom of your glass, or or two fingers somewhere else. Just you know, some just enough to give you a taste. Just just a little tip. That's it. <laughs> the whole thing. The meaty shaft is still waiting. <laughs> There you go. We just had to go ahead and say that. That's right. So. I always wanted to say meaty shaft on a podcast, and there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's all right, you fucktards. We're getting ready to leave. <laughs> Anyhow, entertain yourself for, I don't know, another day or so, and you'll probably get another podcast if you guys are good. But if you don't like it, fuck you. <laughs> Peace out. Dig yourselves, baby. Yeah, go die. <laughs> <laughs>